Hello and welcome to Three at the Back, the football analytics podcast from OptiPro. This episode is going to be taken from our recent OptiPro soccer analytics conference that was held in Chicago back in January. New England Revolution analyst Tim Crawford was, was kind enough to take us through a Q&A where he could discuss his processes, uh, what he values highly within the analytics world, uh, the future of this industry. So um, yeah, I'm going to take a, take a step back and uh, enjoy this episode. Seven seasons, uh, three away from the testimonial year, which yep. would be, be nice. How has, how has it changed from you know six seasons ago, seven seasons ago to, to what it is now? Yeah, what? so I mean the first year that we didn't have Opta was because it was a drastically different year of just starting out. I, we didn't have an analyst before I got there. So I was trying to feel out how exactly we wanted things to go. And we didn't even have data lying around. It was more, we were working with us with another company. Um, and we, we had to ask them for data on a certain subject when we wanted it. And they had to decide whether or not they're willing to give that to us, um, which was just crazy. Um, but so it was a lot of big project stuff. We, we'd come up with a question and you try to answer it and you start off being like, what's the best way to do it? And as there is no best way for a lot of things, usually it's just there's different ways. Um, and so that was kind of how things would evolve. We'd start off looking for best that may not be a best and then we'd look at different. We'd say, okay, what teams do what? And so it would turn into that and then it might, if, if it was actually interesting, it would become something we look at all the time and we'd look at week to week. And so my job, that's the biggest swing in over the seven years has been the more and more and more of these projects becoming more and more week to week and so less and less projects as time goes on more and more of my time is getting taken up with just the same thing we're looking at the same things every week because we found things we like to look at so thankfully the off season exists and we can do some stuff with projects still but yeah that's been a big swing um, we have todd now as our video analyst so it's not just me having these conversations with the coaches so that's nice and also i can bounce a lot of ideas off of him since we stole him from opta in the first place and then yeah, and we've switched coaches too, so that's that's kind of a big, big swing. That was, I had the same coach for the first six years, built up a really good relationship, and then we changed this year. So it's a big difference. And that that content, that that output that you would have had six years ago, what how would that be? What would be different from what that looked like? That report that you you yeah. know delivered six years ago compared to the report you it gave. It would be ugly. It would be very ugly. So <laughs> very basic and very ugly. We I think a lot more. So it's a lot more event-based, like um, like singular events, probably looking at things in the, how many times did this happen? But now it's a lot more like we've strung events together a lot more and have smoother, like, judging sequences and possessions and things like that that you guys have been doing as well. And, and so just these different metrics have evolved over time. And, and again, the different coaches, too, they have different things they like, and we have to roll with that, too. So, so I suppose context and, and the visual aspect of it. Yeah, to, and to definitely the visual aspect, yeah. It, I would hand make some PowerPoints for my match reports the first year I did those. I don't know what the year that was. That was probably my third season. And now at least it's, it's an automated PowerPoint so it, and it looks much better. And, and I don't even print it out anymore. Who knows what's happening? It's crazy. <laughs> so, yeah. And you said there was no, there was no analyst before you. So is that, yeah. did that allow you to almost shape the analysis culture within the club? Yeah. Our president was basically the one who pushed for hiring. He became president. I want to say that year or the year before, um, and, and he went to MIT and did a lot of sports analytics with another company before before he came to the Revs. And so he was big into the analysis aspect of things. And yeah, so he was pushing for, to have one of those. We had a new coach coming in, so he wanted to change the culture as well. And so he brought me in, and we had a ton of back and forth. And, and that I'd say that's another way it changed is that me and Brian was our president. He's uh, we we interacted a ton at the beginning. It was just mainly us talking about these projects we were doing. 
And it would take a lot for it to get to the point where, okay, maybe we should sit down with the coach and have a formal presentation of this stuff. Whereas now I see Brian like once every two weeks if our schedules line up and I'm mainly talking to the coaches or I'm talking to the GM and, and there's kind of, like I said, that trust got earned and I can kind of, if, if I know enough of when something is good enough or important enough or correct enough to bring to them, hopefully, and we can have those interactions ourselves without the middleman, which is nice. And was that a case of learning the hard way in terms of finding out or, yeah, you know, when was the right time to go? I, yeah, somewhat. I mean, yeah, I, you know, I definitely think I know everything. So it's easy enough for me to just walk in and start spouting things off. But there weren't, uh, Jay was nice about, Jay Heaps was nice about those things for the most part and didn't make me feel too awful. So it was good. And yeah, and I think when, it, when you have Brian backing you up and, and you show him enough things that are true, like the, Jay was a smart guy and knew when to, knew that these things were accurate when we were bringing it to him. And so when he saw them and they were interesting and they might change the way he thinks about it. And like you, you have these communications where you've, you've got fact-based stuff. Like he's not gonna get, yeah, he's gonna, he's gonna trust you more as time goes on because of that, so. Excellent, and we've spoken a lot about sort of quickly the last you know, seven years and how that's evolved. Mm -hmm. Um, I want to quickly touch on what the future might look like, not necessarily the next seven years, but mm -hmm. obviously we know a lot of it's around merging different data sets, working yeah. together, getting new metrics, new context. Yeah. How do you think your role, what you're able to do to inform those decisions will change you know, in the next six months, 18 months and so yeah. on? Yeah, tracking data is going to be crazy. I don't even know how to start. So that, that's going to be the big deal. I mean, we have tons of questions we want to answer and that we think we can answer a lot better with tracking data, but I, haven't, I mean, getting my hands on it is going to be a whole new world of I don't even know where to start. So I think that's going to be the biggest swing for the next bunch of years. Um, something as simple as our shot model when you're trying to figure out how many guys are between your, the ball and the, the goal and you can't see that in the event data, it, that's, that's a major variable. And so that'll, that'll change things. We, when you're talking about pressure, I think it's such a big deal in MLS these days, right? Everybody wants to talk about how like, high-press Red Bulls. We're a pretty, for the most part, high-press team except when we were letting New York City pass around all they wanted. But we're, we're pretty much a high-press team too, but trying to figure out who's actually good at that, like how do you do that looking at data? That's really hard to see. And so hopefully with things like tracking data, we start evaluating that better too. So that's the, that's the big area, but I also see that as, okay, I don't have any time right now to do that many projects. So you're talking about adding this whole other data set to start with, we're gonna need more people. I think that's, that's a big deal too, is, staff right now we have two people working on this stuff like that's it's going to be pretty tough to handle so i think that's going to be a big change is the staff size is going to get a lot bigger and also with how seriously the academy is going to start taking these things you're going to have more people with that and trying to merge all these data sets is, is going to be a lot of work and you mentioned shots as one example as an area that perhaps you'd look at in, in the short term mm -hmm. are there any other sort of metrics ideas that you've got in your head that you'd really like to explore with tracking that you might not know whether you know how that's going to turn out yet yeah. but all these ideas and if that data landed on your doorstep tomorrow, you'd be, you'd be ready to go as such. Yeah, I mean, like, like I said, the pressure thing is, is a big one for me because I, like, I want to know who's the one closing these people down, forcing bad passes, and, and I think runs is a huge one as well, just who's making good runs, and, and it's an underrated skill. If one team's not playing a guy um, on those runs, maybe we would, and so it might be more valuable to us. I think that's a popular thing of what we're thinking. When we're thinking about different styles and stuff with these teams, if someone's really good at one style, he's on the wrong team, but he might suit us. That's, that's always something we're looking to, to find, I think. So, yeah. Nice. And to move it away slightly, um, <laughs> what, does your, what does your role look like during the season, week-to-week -week games, yeah. and, and in the off-season? So the week-to-week, -week, pretty much right after our game, home or away, I'm, I'm, I make the report for the match. And, and so this has changed a little bit too over time. It used to be more of a hand in the report on Monday kind of a thing. Now it's look at the report myself and, and kind of 
synthesize a bit, take out the key information that I'm seeing from the standard stuff that we look at every week, see if I can notice anything in particular, and then just kind of email it over to the coaching staff as soon as possible. Because these guys, they're aggressive with their reviewing of the game. So I get that done as fast as possible. And then before our match even, I start trying to look at the next week's team that we're going to be playing against too. So I usually look at like their last last few games on one-offs, but also look at season-long trends of playing style and, and basic counting stats. But a lot of these projects that we've built up over time revolve around style. And so, yeah, try to look at that based on game state, based on home and away, based on, you know, if there's been any sort of major shift with their personnel, of like, oh, personnel, they got this guy five games ago. Okay, let's just look at the last five games. But we look at these same stylistic things as early as possible to kind of give the coaches a head up before they start going into video so they can kind of guide their their search a little bit but also just so they can question it and see you know is this really what we're seeing in the video or how does this make sense with what we're seeing um, and, and so that we can have some time to figure that out hopefully and I wanted to I wanted to ask in terms of the breakdown between your more advanced work your, your more basic data mm-hmm. work and video work yeah how what would that split look like would would video be more next game and data those those long-term trends that inform that, that analysis? Yeah. So um, video is going to be as little me as possible and mostly Todd. I'm going to try to avoid that. And then Why is that? Because uh, I think it, it helps me to be as neutral as possible. I mean, it's unavoidable because I watch a lot of MLS anyways. But it's, I don't know. I think it's better to keep it separate and then allow someone else to have all their eyes on the video. And then we can merge the two ideas and be like, how do these actually make sense? And I'll, yeah, that doesn't mean that when I do a project, I'm gonna, we're gonna try and fact check it. I'm like, Todd and I had a long time of going back and forth over playing styles. When we came up with these clear styles, we said, okay, this is the result. Does this actually match up with what our soccer sense sees? And so we we do have some of that too. But yeah, so for prep work, it's, yeah, a bit of basic stats um, that the coaches are interested in um, that they might ask me to dig deeper. So like this team crosses the ball this many times per game from this side, from this side, whatever. But then also the styles of what, what, which ones are they using? a lot of which ones are they actually good at when they use them um, because if they're using a lot of something and they're terrible with it we'll let them keep using that and then the flip side as well what do they what do they usually allow but what are they exposed by and, and trying to look from those those angles nice and do you think and is that given to the team sort of early doors during the week so training might be adapted yeah. to exploit those those weaknesses or those yeah. styles yeah so it's like like i said i tried trying to get it to the point where i'm like a week ahead at least like it's it's hard because i want to include as many games in my sample as possible and be as recent as possible but trying to do it probably a week ahead of time um and when you say combining into training and stuff that's the hard, that's the part where you, i don't necessarily see how it gets mixed in i'm confident it does but it's there so early that you don't know which parts you're affecting, which parts you're not. But it's all taken in with the video, with that, um, and with their general sense of things. And then it does funnel the training throughout the week. And I think I don't see the training either. So that's another interesting aspect that I'm like, I hope it's going on. Uh, but I, I'm pretty confident it is. And, and usually these coaching staff, if they see something they're interested in that they don't quite understand, they're going to give you more questions. And if they see something they don't, they're not interested in, they're just going to tell you, we're not interested in this. So for the most part, if I'm not hearing anything back, I'm like, oh, they're taking this in. This is good. So that's kind of how, how things have flowed so far. And you mentioned for, for post-match, you'll run through the report and then you'll be taking yeah. the, key, mm-hmm. the key aspects that you know the coaching staff right. like. Will that be the same process for pre-match? Yes, exactly. So yeah, look at a few matches. Yeah. So I synthesize everything, all these different sources that I have. And rather than print off a pile of papers for them, it's I look at them all and try to come up with just a quick summary. It's probably over a page in email, but it's, it's yeah, just email them what I've got, send it out to all of them, and let them 
take that in and mix it in with what they're seeing already. And, and I do some other stuff too throughout the week, some, some smaller stuff that mixes in, but just that overall style thing comes early. And so we've got, we've got a good picture of what week to week looks like during the season. Yes, yeah. So once the season's finished and... Yeah, so the off season, well, the draft is fun. So a lot of record keeping for the draft and stuff, but also, yeah, hopefully you have time to get back to projects because we want to be innovative and, innovative and keep finding new things because eventually people like you guys are going to come up with style things and then everybody will have it and so there's no point. But no, nah, we need to keep coming up with new ideas and new things we can test out. And also, you know, the coaches sometimes ask for, for new things like at points in the season, you don't necessarily have a ton of time to get to these new things. And so... I don't know, there's a lot of things that get backed up and you hope in the off-season you can get to them. So I'm guessing you end the season with a huge list of tasks yeah. you want to do and then get yeah. to about two and of them and something else here, comes I'm thinking up. of more and I'm like, yeah, this is not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> I had it lined up to ask your interaction with other departments yeah. within the team and sports science being one of those. Yeah. We know that's probably a, a developing area. We'll probably put it across different yeah. teams. Um, how, is, how is that for you? I am not an expert at all on physiological stuff. Like That's not my thing. Um, but I can help at least with some math. So I, I do have some interactions with those. And, and this year, um, our head of fitness, we have I definitely remember having a couple really good conversations on bus back to the stadium from a road trip or whatever and, and discussing. He had his um, report that he looked at after every game of, of you know, the distance covered by these guys, but his, his KPIs and being a little baffled by them, being like, I would not have expected this for some guys. And then he's, he's explaining them to me. I'm like, oh, that makes a lot of sense. And, and just like some guys, you don't expect their output to be as high as they are based on the numbers I look at. But then you start, he starts talking through why it is. And you, yeah, it's, it's really interesting. Gave me some more ideas for things to do there too. But yeah, so we, we had some good conversations of trying to integrate how, how we can match these things up. And then obviously my interactions with Todd for a video and how we also try to progress the team as a whole. And, and hey, he's working on some apps and stuff too that, that are just going to make life easier for us. So we have a lot of back and forth there too. And do you think one of, with the back to the sports science side, do you think that your role can provide that context uh, that perhaps explains and you know gives a bit of more informed as to why those yes. numbers are coming out as they are that perhaps doesn't necessarily exist between all departments that aren't synced up right and and I think um, different ones want more want different information so there is an integration there I'm still trying to figure out where it, how it exactly comes in um, and the benefit they have too is they have their data all the time in training too they have training data all week we're not necessarily at the point of keeping tons of statistics in training but we we might get there too and and Trying to understand those two, those two things merge is definitely somewhere I think it's headed. I just don't think we're we're necessarily there yet. And on the, on the training data front, that's quite interesting. What uh -huh. would you what would you most like in the first instance? What do you think would be a most value for, for those short term wins? <laughs> I think set pieces would be very good at training um, to get how how frequently we're connecting on some of these things. But obviously the repetitions are just good too. I think telling guys how they're maybe giving guys actual shooting stats. One, would make them more focused on those things if they knew they were being recorded. And two, also could give you a little more insight into how they actually finish. So we all believe in expected goals, I think, I hope. And so trying to, knowing that a guy may not score as many goals as his expected goals in games, you can start pulling in his training numbers and start being, look, he does do it here. I understand that's not as important, but um, trying to actually get a real sense of a guy's talent based on that, but also, and also, sorry, the guys who don't play, it would be amazing to have more information on, on how they're doing in training. Um, I wish we had it for other teams, how they were doing in training, but. <laughs> the next yeah, sharing one. Yeah, yeah. Feel free to give us your data. <laughs> yeah. When you're looking at those longer term, that innovation side of, of your role, what, what areas do you look at with it? Maybe it's other sports, different technologies, yeah. different industries? It's, that, that's funny too. When we, I, I went to Sloan, like the first month I was 
on the job, like that was one of the first things they had me do was go to the Sloan Conference. And I remember like, I don't even know if there's a soccer paper, but hockey was the thing we were focused on, was going to hockey papers. Being like, hockey's so close to soccer. But now, it's not even close. I feel like basketball is everything we're looking at because they're doing so much of tracking data. There's just so many cool ideas. And they've, they've advanced things so much in the way they think about the game. Like when these guys are talking about decision making, like basketball, that's the holy grail. They have these awesome, you know, um, the dot maps and everything where they're just moving around and they're telling you what the best decisions are at all these times. And it's like, that's what we want. So we can start judging guys' brains. And, and hockey's not doing that. And so it's interesting that it's really moved to to basketball for me. But yeah, so watching a lot of basketball papers when I go to those things. Hockey's good too, but I feel like we're kind of at a similar spot as them. They're not necessarily doing things that are drastically different than us at this point. And do you have much much contact with, with analysts across the basketball world? Is that something you'd like um, to have more of? Yeah, I would like to do more of that. Not, not a ton. Um, we've had some interactions with some of those guys, but yeah, not a ton. Um, yeah. So read a lot. That's about it. Yeah. Good advice. Um, and you mentioned that you, you know, modeling's part of, part of the world as well, part of what you're doing and that side of things. So one of the areas that I suppose always think about and we have a lot of discussions internally is weighing up the sort of the time spent perfecting a model against the actual application of it and, and how it's used and seeing my yeah. coaches. What, where's your sort of stance on that side of things? I know going to school, it was all about being statistically significant all the time and, and everything, testing out all these models. And it's like, sometimes the sample size just isn't there with what we're doing. Like our coaches want to know things after five games what are you going to do? You got to tell them what at least your best insight is. It may not be 100% perfect, but some of that happens, right? Where you're just looking at these stats that you're not necessarily saying it's statistically significant, but you're like, as far as I can tell, this team plays this way. Um, and so, yeah, I think I lean more towards, I, I, there are different things that will spend time perfecting, but I think most things it's, I wouldn't say it's necessary uh, um, that the model's not right. It's that this is the best I can do at this time. Let's, let's go with that for now. Have you ever told a coach something is or isn't statistically significant? Or is that language no. they get that gets eliminated? I would tell part? Brian that. And then we would go hash it out for a while. And then, no, we would not tell the coach that. <laughs> Does not make it through. Yeah, no. And that sort of leads quite nicely. In terms of that yeah. process of presenting work, and yep. are there any lessons that you've learned on the way that perhaps, yeah, I shouldn't have done this? Or whether that was, yeah, the data point, the visualization, the timing, the context? Yeah. I, I feel like I'm cheating them if I don't show them the numbers. I'm like... I feel like I'm trying to sneak something past them if I just tell them the results. Like, they, they're smart, they can figure it out. But actually, yeah, they don't really care about that stuff. Um, and for a while, I was printing out all these, these handouts of numbers and then giving Jay my summary. I mean, she's like, you don't have to give me the numbers, just give me the summary. So, I, yeah, so that, that has changed. Um, but the, so the, for us, the process has always been like me and Brian back and forth. And that's the complicated part, like where it's, this is a more in-depth, these are what the numbers are saying. And we go back and forth as to what's interesting about that. And then we hone it down to something much clearer um, to present to the coaches once it's actually at a point where like, this clearly says something that they could put into action. But it's not going to be the, the raw stuff that we are looking at. It's not going to be, here's every team's five data points. Like, it's, it's very basic. And it, it highlights the important elements. So Because they really aren't, they, they're not concerned with you lying to them. They're generally going to believe yeah. it, so that's good. And I think there's potentially that the underestimation of just how engaged and immersed coaches are in this world and how much they do understand and how much they're, they're willing to learn and want to learn. Have you yeah. found that to be your case, particularly with, I suppose, Brad Friedel finishing his career with data available? Has, mm -hmm. that, has that been something you've noticed? Yeah. I, I have not experienced a coaches not being willing to have a conversation, and that, that's what's cool. Um, 
I think, like I said, Jay was a smart guy, and Brad is used to seeing some of this stuff. And so it, there's never been an issue of what is this guy even here for? We don't need him. It's, it's, it's always been an open conversation, and I, I, I would say, too, we, we've had at least one assistant coach who maybe who definitely would disagree with some of my stati statistic-backed <laughs> philosophies, but, but he wouldn't just reject it. It was a conversation. We would have a debate, and I'm always up for a debate. So we would have a, a very thorough conversation about it wasn't just he blew me off. He was very interested to hear what my reasoning was and what the numbers were that backed it up. And so, I, yeah, I think that's... I'm cool. Maybe I'm spoiled. I'm cool with that, but that maybe I'm spoiled that we've we've run into that. But for the most part, we've had really good interactions. That's that's all I really care about. Because if I have if I have facts backing it up, they're usually willing to listen to reason. You just have to actually have the reason. <laughs> and if in one of those discussions, if it ha if it hasn't gone your way <laughs> yet that Saturday, that Sunday's game suggests that it could have gone your way. Yeah. Is, how, how does how do you keep quiet? How, what's the next? Yeah, step? I tell I tell it to Todd instead of them. That's all. <laughs> Show the video. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, there was yeah one of those this year where I was like, I'm not really sure they picked up on what I was saying, um, but. I, I bring the number up again after the game, at least. I don't do it to be a jerk, but I'm like, just so you know, this is how things went down. You can take what you want from that. And it, cause the other thing is, too, just because our team does something on the field that I didn't want them to do, that doesn't mean they were told to do that <laughs> or that they, yeah, it could have been the players doing it. It just works out that way, whatever. Like, you only have so much control. And I mean, as, a, as a coach, that's the case. As an analyst, it's even more the case. So um, you can't be too upset about it, I guess. And sort of, sort of linked to that. Do you, are you able to sort of take a step back and almost evaluate your own performance as, a, as an analysis team in terms of we thought this team was going to do a lot of that this weekend, that didn't happen, we need to go and look at our processes. Is that, is that something that happens? Yes. If I, if I see something key that we're honing in on for that week, then I will definitely be thinking about that during the game and after the game and see, did this make sense with what we were seeing? And it, it's funny because something like that New York City game, that was a game where New York actually played a lot of long balls. It was out of their style. And so like a lot of the stuff I would have told them beforehand wouldn't have been, yeah, New York's going to play a ton of long balls to Burgett, who I don't know if he'd even started a game before that point. But, you know, they come in and do it. I mean, it makes complete sense. And I was like, yeah, it would have. It makes sense against us, too, because we're a pressure team, like I said. Um, so they could pass the ball around the back all the time. But you saw when they tried to enter the midfield, it got broken up. So they adapted and started playing long balls to him. And so you could come at me and say, they didn't do what you were going to say. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. Um, and, and, but I don't necessarily fault the model. I'm just like, oh, it's just different. They just did something entirely. We couldn't, we couldn't have predicted that. So that wraps it up from Tim. I hope you enjoyed the listen. It was really good to have Tim involved in the event. His knowledge, experience, and insight into this industry was fantastic. So, um, Tim, really, really appreciate that and you taking the time to join us. And thank you very much for listening.